Hello, my name is David Coletta, and I'm the senior leader at Mission Community Church. Before you begin watching the Sermon of the Week, allow me to pray that you might encounter God right there where you are. Father, I ask that your spirit will be present right where people are watching this video. May they be receptive to the voice of your spirit as they watch in Jesus' name, amen. From all of us at MCC, may God bless you as you watch this week's message.
So, a couple of weeks ago, we started this uh, new series called Game Changers. And in, first, uh, in week one, I talked about the power of salvation, game changer of salvation, because God is, um, uh, is looking for more than just a one-time opportunity of salvation, right? Uh, salvation should be a progressive thing. Also, it's not just salvation of our soul, but the word salvation in the New Testament is the word sozo, which means body, soul, and spirit. And so all of us is involved in salvation. And then last Sunday, uh, Sam shared about the priesthood of believers and how important it is for us to realize that, uh, you know, this is not just given to a selective few that are the more spiritual ones, uh, the leaders of the church. No, it's, it's all of us can enter into the presence of God. We can get into the throne room of God and make our requests known. And he hears us right where we are. And so what a powerful, powerful thing that is. Now, uh, this week, today, I'm going to introduce, to introduce I thought, sorry, the third game changer, and I believe one of the most importantly biblically based or important biblical game changer uh, that we read in scriptures, and that's the concept of grace. Now, first of all, however, I want to show you what game changers and what grace looks like in this arena. That's grace right there. One. I know some of you think that Cousins has got a great shot, but he really doesn't. He's a center. He doesn't shoot the ball like that. But somehow, three bounces, backboard, all of that fun stuff. I call that grace. I know some of these guys, oh, I got the backspin, you know, that. I, I don't know. I'm not a basketball player. Uh, definitely not. Uh, but you know what? 
I say that that's grace in my books. Now, let me remind you of what grace is or, or what game changers, uh, and we'll be, as we've been talking about, that according to Merriam-Webster uh, Dictionary Online, it says that it is a newly introduced element or factor that changes an existing situation <clears throat> or an activity in a significant way. And now, I, in my opinion, none of these ball players, when they shot the ball, intended to hit the rim five times or maybe the backboard and the edge of the backboard on top a couple of times and then let the ball fall. How does that even happen? You can't plan for that. Those are game-changing shots. A little bit of fluke, but they're game-changing. Now, Jesus, we've been talking about the fact that Jesus is the greatest, the greatest game-changer in history. When Jesus came to earth, he changed everything as it pertained to religion, and, and, and uh, our relationship with God himself. And so uh, I would say that Jesus is the ultimate game changer when it comes to game changing. And today I want to take our scripture from uh, Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 8 and 9. And these are two verses that we know quite well. But I want to bring out this concept of grace beginning with these scriptures, and then I'm going to read a number of other scriptures just to highlight the importance of grace in our lives and in the scriptures. So Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. Look at the person next to you and say, through faith. It's through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Now, I mentioned that there's a number of other scriptures that I want to read, and I'm going to read these out to you. Um, we don't have them on screen, uh, but I want you to know and see how important the concept of grace is in the scriptures. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, it says, But he said, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest in me. In Romans 6.14, it says, For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under law, but under grace. James 4 and 6 says, But he gives us more grace. That is why Scripture says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. John chapter 1 and verse 16 says, From the fullness of His grace, we have all received one blessing after another. You think that your blessings are because you're some kind of special? Mm -mm. It's because of His grace. Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 and 26 says, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord, the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Grace is such a central theme in the scriptures. And without grace, we are literally nothing. Now, let me tell you two things about, uh, uh, about 
the, this concept just before we start delving into the idea of grace and what grace is. First of all, grace is not just a New Testament concept. I think a lot of a lot of believers think that well, grace is just in the New Testament, right? I mean, we do find that we're saved by grace. But let me just take it all the way back to Exodus chapter thirty-four, verses four and seven. Listen to these verses. So Moses chiseled out two stones tablets like the first ones and went up to Mount Sinai. If you don't know why he had to do it this. The second time is because he got a little irate at the people the first time and smashed them to the ground. At least he didn't smash them on somebody's head. I think I probably would have done that. Maybe, maybe not. And so he went to Mount Sinai early in the morning as the Lord had commanded him, and he carried the two stone tablets in his hands. Then the Lord came down in the cloud. This is so beautiful, guys. The Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him. This is the Lord. Proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abiding in love, and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children of their children for the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generation. You know, when I, I read this verse, it just it just so penetrated in my heart. Because God himself is announcing himself to Moses, basically saying to Moses as he was passing in front of him, Yahweh, Yahweh. And if you were not here two weeks ago, that's a very meaningful name for God because it means the all-existing one, the powerful, mighty God, Yahweh. At we the, the Jewish people use the word Yahweh instead of Jehovah because they are not uh, allowed to pronounce the vowels of the name. It's called the, uh, the uh, tetragrammaton in, 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 uh, uh, in the Jewish tradition. They only use the actual consonants of that word Yahweh as we typically would pronounce it with, uh, with vowels. It is so beautiful to see how God introduced himself to Moses as a God who is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Now you say, you know, that God punishes children and their children to the third and fourth generation. That's actually grace, guys. Because look at what he does with the wicked. Thousands of generations. So, you know what? Uh... God is a forgiving, he blesses, he blesses us, sorry, he blesses us to thousands of generations, but only punishes sin to third and fourth generation. That's a God full of grace and compassion. The other thing I want to make sure that we all understand is that grace and mercy are not the same thing. They're not the same. And here's the difference. In mercy, God withholds a punishment that we deserve. He withholds a punishment. But in grace, he does more than that. He gives us a blessing that we don't deserve. 
So he's not just withholding the, pan the punishment. He's actually giving us the grace that we don't deserve. In mercy, God chose to cancel the debt of our sin by sacrificing his son, Jesus, in our place. You can read that in, T in Titus chapter 3, verse 5, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. There's so many scriptures. But in grace, God does more. He goes a little further because grace extended to us where it was extended to us while we were yet sinners, while we were his enemies. In 2 Corinthians chapter or Romans chapter 5 and verse 10, it talks about the fact that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We did not deserve any of it. In fact, sinners deserve punishment, but God poured out his love on us and his grace on us. Aren't you glad? That's grace. So what is grace? First of all, I want to say, and I want to put it this way, and it's probably, I, I just felt the Holy Spirit give me this word, but grace is God's elegant and undeserved favor. Now, he's probably thinking, why in the world elegant? Well, you know, when you think about the word grace, grace is a term that's used oftentimes to describe someone that displays elegance, that displays class, that displays refinement. You look at someone that's well-dressed and you say, wow, look at the grace on that person. You know, there are some people that exude grace. Now, I can't think of anyone that fits the description that I just gave you better than God. Because when God bestows his grace on us, he is classy, he is refined, and he is kind. He does not make any of us feel like we are uh, 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 dirty, rotten sinners who missed the mark and should absolutely never deserve anything. God is classy, and he is so kind, and he is such a God of favor. And so we don't, I, I've never felt in my life that I was just like a dirty, rotten sinner, that God just spare me, and so thank God that he took me in because nobody else would ever. No, God is gentle. His grace is elegant because his grace covers us. That is so, so important to understand. Biblically speaking, the word grace in the New Testament is the word charis. Charis, which means favor, blessing, and kindness. So you can say that grace, biblically speaking, is God's undeserved favor and kindness to all of us, toward all mankind. Now, you know, when you really strip it down to like the simple uh, things of life, the very fact that we woke up today, that we have breath in our lungs, is God's favor. The very fact that you wake up in the morning and you see a sunrise or you see a sunset, that beautiful scene, that is God's grace because we don't deserve any of it. There's nothing in that that would tell us that we actually deserve to see any of these or to even breathe the breath that we're breathing right now. It is all by God's grace. God's grace. 
God's undeserved favor and kindness toward us. Now, you can see His grace also, perhaps in the near misses, when you should have been in an accident and you were not. Maybe that was God's protection over your life and you did not realize it. Maybe you thought, wow, I got lucky this time. There's no such a thing as luck. It's God's grace. His protection over our lives is His grace. We don't understand it. We may not see it. We may not feel it at at that moment in time. But it is God's grace in our lives. Wow, thank you, God, for your grace. I want you to know that answered prayers are God's grace over your life. You may look at yourself, oh, I've been praying. I've been look at that. God heard me because I pray these beautiful prayers now. When God answers prayers, it is because of his grace. Because we don't deserve it. We're just being obedient. But God blesses us even in answering our prayers, even when we don't always get what we want, guys. That's a hard one, right? Because we're like, I'm like praying for this to happen, but it doesn't happen. I got something else, but I guess it's okay because God will not always give us what we pray for, what we want. But you know what? That is a display of his grace. If God healed your body, God touched you, touched your spirit, touched your inner man, that is a display of God's grace over you. God purchased our salvation through the very blood that Jesus spilled on the cross for you and me. That is grace. The fact that Jesus paid the price. He paid the price that should should have been paid by you and me. That is grace. That is charis. Undeserved favor and kindness of God. But then it goes further. Because not only does He forgive us of our sin to set us, but also sets us free. He sets us free and He gives us the gift of salvation. That is grace. Free. Free indeed. Now, none of these favors and none of these graces are based on anything that we actually merit. None of it. No matter how far you might think that you have gone in your spiritual walk with Christ, that you might think, wow, you know, I read the Bible three times a year, and I fast 20 days out of 30, more power to you, and I do all of this stuff, and I listen to worship music, and I do, do, do all this stuff, right? Because it's what makes me feel good. You know what? None of that will ever bring you into the category of the deserved. You will never deserve His grace. It's not based on your actions or your behavior. Christianity, friends, is not a religion of do's and don'ts. I'm going to read. I'm going to read. You know, i got to read like three hours a day because, you know what, that's going to make me feel like I'm at peace with God. You know what you're doing? You're just filling your head with Bible verses that you might remember and they might make you sound so good. But what about the heart? What about the heart? You know what? None of what we do. You could give yourself your body to be burned, right? Paul talks about that. You could go to the utmost parts of the earth and serve an indigenous tribe. You know what? If you're doing it because you think that, that God's grace 
uh, or, or because you're, you're, you're deserving God's grace. It doesn't work that way. It does not work that way. Not with God. Absolutely nothing that we can do would ever allow us to say, I deserve his grace. You say, why is that? Well, look at the verses that we read at first in Ephesians 2. He said that God's grace is given by faith, not by works. So what? So that no man can boast. Can you imagine if we could actually earn the grace of God, what it would be like for all of us? We'd be rushing to the next cool thing to do to earn God's grace. Oh, well, okay, I got to go to church and like, uh, you know, serve from like from seven to nine. Okay, great. I'll be there. I can deserve God's grace. Oh, oh you want me to go to Mexico with Lyndon? Hey, be very happy. You know, but yeah, you want me to go and just serve those people there? If that, that's to deserve God's grace, great, I'll do it. But none of these actions and none of these behaviors will ever allow us to earn His grace. In other words, friends, no one can stand before God and say to Him one day, I did enough to own the right to say I deserve God's grace. None of us. None. But it also means one more thing. It means that we need to stop seizing and we need to, uh, we need to seize the striving. We need to stop trying. We need to stop trying to impress God with our, uh, uh, whatever, whatever it is that you do that impresses God, that you think impresses God. Right? I'm, I'm gonna read this year. I'm gonna read like 15 Christian books. It's not going to impress God. I am going to read the Bible cover to cover three times. That's not going to impress God. I promise you, you're wasting your time. Not because it's bad to read the Bible. Not because it's bad to read 15 books. But because if your motive behind it is to earn the grace of God, you are wasting your time. God will not be impressed by us doing that. Grace. But grace, the second thing I want to highlight about grace is that the word grace in Hebrew is a word con, con, which can be translated as favor, grace, or delight. And it's used in a variety of ways. Okay, it's used in the Psalms. It describes when, when the psalmist says that, that he penned beautiful words. Those are words of con, words of delight. It's also used to describe a piece of jewelry that attracts a lot of attention from somebody. You can say that that is just con. That's like a beautiful piece that brings the favor of people around you to say, wow, look at that beautiful jeweler, you know, or necklace with a, uh, a topaz on it. I don't know. A diamond. I'm not a diamond guy. Are you a diamond guy, David? Probably not. Me either. But you'd like to give diamonds, right, to maybe the person next to you. She'd probably want a few diamonds. Oh, yeah. Oh, she'll take all the diamonds. Con. Grace. Grace, number two, requires a generous spirit. Now, the word con 
is nowhere more important than in this biblical illustration that I want to bring attention to you. In this biblical illustration, back in the day when uh, there's a story in the Bible of Jacob and Esau. Do you remember the story of Jacob and Esau? I mean, if you remember that. Let me see your hands. Okay. For those of you who don't, I'm going to give you a Reader's Digest version. Jacob was very hungry to get the firstborn portion. And so Jacob deceived his brother Esau. And when Esau realized what happened, Jacob ran away. And Jacob didn't just run away for just a couple of days or a couple of weeks, a couple of months. He was away from his brother for 20 years. 20 years of time spent away from his brother. Now, Jacob one day comes back, 20 years later. And he goes to Esau and he says, Esau, my brother, if I could find con or favor or grace in your eyes. He asked him, would you be gracious to me? And when you look at that, you say, well, Esau, what would he have done? What should he have done? I mean, Jacob was a supplanter, a deceiver. He deserved punishment. He tricked his brother into getting his dad to give him the portion of the blessing. But what happens here? Esau, the hunter, the hairy man, the guy that just goes out with bow and arrow and just like, move out of my way, I'm going to get that animal so that we can have a nice dinner tonight. That's right. But you know what What he did? He saw extended con to his brother. He gave him favor. He gave him grace. You know what's important in our lives? What's most important when it comes to grace? He said, because we have received grace, we give grace. Because grace requires a generous spirit. How many of us were living a life of deception apart from God? Very much like Jacob. How many of us sometimes struggle with keeping things going the straight and narrow with God? Just like Jacob, even today. Wow. We are called to have that same generous spirit, generous heart. A heart that offers grace to people that don't deserve it. And we see this repeatedly in the Bible. Again, when God delivered the people of Israel out of Egypt, what happened? What's the first thing they did? Moses was on the mountain receiving the laws from God. We read it in, in, uh, in Exodus 34 the second time. They built a, an altar. A golden calf. Because they just needed to have something that they could touch to worship. And so what happens then? God wanted to literally exterminate the people. It's like they will not learn. They did not learn the first time. And here they are again, the second time. But what happened? 
Moses went to God. And Moses pleaded with God. And what did he do? He pleaded for God to extend con. That's the word grace to his people. Favor to his people. Con. Favor. That's grace. Why don't we do the same thing? We are given grace. Or we fall back. And we forget that the favor and the kindness of God that he extended to us. And we kind of like do our thing. And we think that that's okay. But you know what? God's saying, okay. I can forgive you. I can give you grace. We're never, friends. If there's one thing that I would want to impress on us today is that we're never out of the reach of God's grace. None of us. It doesn't matter how bad things can get in our lives. It doesn't matter how terrible you feel for the misbehavior or the words spoken or the action that you've taken. You know, God will always be there. God will always hear your prayers. God will always extend his grace, his love, and forgiveness to all of us. I don't know where you're at today in your life. Maybe you've, you've had a hard time in church. Maybe church people have hurt you and disappointed you. Maybe life has been unkind to you. Maybe you're struggling with physical ailment and, 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 or maybe emotional or, or different things that you may be going through. You know what? It doesn't matter to God. Whatever it is that you're going through does not matter to God because nothing is too big or complicated or difficult for God to extend his grace to you for. I want you to pause for a moment and think about that difficulty, that struggle that you're going through in your life. God's elegant grace covers for that. His love, his favor, his kindness covers. It covers. You know, the one thing that we don't want to do is to let <clears throat> unforgiveness and bitterness take root in our hearts because <clears throat> the Bible clearly says and when that happens, it defiles the whole body. And I've been there. I've been angry and frustrated and upset and it felt like my entire body was defiled because of my attitude towards somebody. You know what? God's grace is extended to all of us just the same. And because his grace is so beautiful and so welcoming and so elegant, I love that word. We can extend that same grace to everyone that we may come in contact with.
out of appreciation for God's grace, we should display a generous heart, much like Esau. I, when, I, when I think about these two guys, and you're reading the scriptures, now I may be reading some stuff into it, but I thought, I always thought Esau is a rough, scruff kind of a guy. I, I thought that when, es, when Jacob got off his horse and, 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 and went ahead, you know, he basically told the, the family, just stay behind me and watch. If I come back alive, I guess that you guys can come. If not, just run. But Jacob approached his brother, and I thought, wow, Esau for sure is just going to be at least a slap across the face. It's like, how could you do it, right? Think about it for a moment. Or at least just grab him and say, what did you do? You stole what was mine before God. You tricked me. You cheated me out of God's blessing. He did none of that. They embraced because grace covers. What a beautiful picture of grace, guys. Now, this is not a hoorah kind of a message, but I want you to take the point that grace is such a vital part of our lives. Without grace, not only are we not able to receive from God, but we can't extend it to others either. That's why it is so important that we have a generous heart that extends grace to others. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 12 says, For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. God does not even remember what you asked Him for five seconds ago and said, God, forgive me for that. God has already forgotten it. It is not in His books of remembrance. We remind Him of our own junk. When we go to God and say, oh God, once again, please forgive me again and again. I'm like, if God could talk directly, if you could hear God's audible voice, he would say, I think I just did that like five minutes ago. Didn't I just do that? That's God's grace. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. It is all because of God's grace. You see, because God forgave us, we must forgive. Because God reconciled us, and as we have read from this, uh, in, in this particular verse, that we have received redemption through the blood of Jesus. The same way we must offer reconciliation and love to others. Second Corinthians 5 and 18 tells us that God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is something that He has entrusted to each and every one of us. And so when we do bad things, you know what God forgives us? When somebody does bad things to you, you go ahead and forgive them. Extend the same grace. Let's not focus on what areas that we have failed in and just think that we are so bad. Let's commit to displaying a generous spirit because Jesus in Matthew 10 said, freely you received, now freely give. Freely give. Can you imagine for a moment what a tremendous game changer that would be in your life with your family in this 
family, church family, and in every church, in the kingdom of God, if we could just extend grace and love and kindness and forgiveness to the other people around us, what a beautiful thing that would be. We probably would not have so many hurt people going from one church to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next, trying to find, where do I fit? If you're visiting with us here today, we welcome you, by the way. <laughs> I just want to say that. And by the way, statistically, it takes six services before you can actually have an idea of what a church is like. So come back five more times if this is your first. We are so blessed, and we don't even know it. God has given us every tool at our disposal to be successful and just thrive in our Christian walk with God, and yet we deny the very things that should bring us life. We push them aside. Not, not that, not, not that, not, not that. Grace. Grace. Simple. As I was preparing this message, I'm like, God, there's nothing deep. How about this? I'm probably just going to preach a very common message. You know what God said? No, this is probably the most important message because we need to understand grace. We need to understand. It's got to sink deep inside our spirit. Oh, Jesus, help us. Let me finish with this. God's grace changes the way that we see God. That's the third thing I wanted to highlight. You know, the challenge for many of us is that we see God through the lenses of punishment. I messed up. I'm going to get what I deserve. I'm dead. You know, I love this uh, statement, this phrase that James Gall, I think we're going to put it on the screen. Uh, James Gall says, religion says, I messed up. My daddy is going to kill me. That's religion. Because religion doesn't know God. Religion just acts out of duty. But you know what? The gospel says, I messed up. I need to call my daddy. I need to make a call to my daddy in heaven right now. I messed up. I know that he understands. He'll forgive me. He'll love on me. He'll put his grace and his kindness and his mercy on me because he loves me. That's my daddy. You see, grace allows us to see God not through punishment lenses and glasses, but we'll, that, we'll, that we're always going to get what we deserve because we're bad and oh my God. But grace allows us to see God as a loving, kind, gracious, gentle, accepting, filled with grace, Father, full of charis or con. Grace initiates intimacy between us and God. Because you can't have intimacy without grace. Without grace, we wouldn't even be allowed in the presence of God. It's grace that gives us that open door. And so grace is the initiator of intimacy with the Father. Grace opens the door to God's presence because you can't worship on your own merit. You can't go into God's presence and worship God because you are a cool and well-trained worshiper. It's all by grace. 
He says that we ought to worship Him in spirit and in truth. No longer do we need to offer animal sacrifices. Now we offer human sacrifices. We become the sacrifice. Grace puts us on the altar. By grace, we are seated in heavenly places with Jesus. Our identity is secure because of grace. Our purpose is solid because of grace. The plans of God for our lives are settled because of grace. You can say that God is a God of grace and every step of your life is ordained by God and God at each element of or, or phase of your life as you turn to Him is pouring more grace. Grace, grace, grace. Grace is a powerful game changer. Let me close by saying that humility positions us to receive God's grace. Humility, friends, is the greatest weapon feared by the devil. Pride, we read it, I think, early on in one of the verses, is a blockage to receiving God's grace. Um, James 4, 6 says, but he gives us more grace. That's why the scripture says that God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That's a very thing that the enemy, excuse me, the enemy wants to block us by becoming proud and not humbling ourselves before God. But grace opens the door to God. Pride will also flow, block the flow of God's grace to others. That's like so important, such an important point because when we don't receive God's grace from others, as I said before, it is very hard to extend grace to others. You know, Solomon was right when he said that pride comes before a fall. We can't allow pride to have its way in our lives. May our hearts be open to this game changer of grace. Probably the greatest, the least flashy one, but the greatest in biblical history because without grace, friends, we would not have this salvation Without grace, we would not have the forgiveness of sins. Without grace, we could not stand in His presence. Without grace, we could not worship Him the way that He would want to be worshipped. Without grace, we are nothing. Hey, thank you for watching the Sermon of the Week. We pray that you were blessed by it and you felt prompted to act upon what the Spirit of God was saying to you. If you live in the Charlotte area, we would love for you to come and worship with us at one of our weekend gatherings. That way you can find out more about our church family and what we value most. We encourage you also to give to our ministry so that we might continue spreading the gospel of Jesus to our city and throughout the world. To do so, you simply go to missioncommunity.cc, click on the give button, and the rest is simple. Lastly, I would encourage you to check out the remaining content on our YouTube channel. And don't forget to subscribe. That way you will receive all of the reminders for fresh content that we put out. Have a wonderful rest of your day. 
May God bless you and thank you again for watching this week's message.